Today's gospel text is really a continuation of last weekend's gospel. And the critical verse last week was verse 3. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in, anybody remember, in where? Begins with D, ends with T. The desert. The Hebrew word for desert, or maybe tra uh, translated a bit better as wilderness, is midbar. It has a very unusual root word, dabar, which means word. Now, what does word have to do with the desert? What does word have to do with the wilderness? What makes this important is that the wilderness was, in Hebrew mindset, a barren, lifeless place. But that is exactly where the word of God went into, into the barrenness, into the lifelessness of the desert, the wilderness. Furthermore, the rabbis taught that the wilderness was the abode of the demons. Again, that is exactly where God sent his word. Now remember that Jesus, the Dabar Adonai, the word of God become flesh, spent 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by who? The devil. Now John was the son of Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. That meant John was a priest by birth. And yet there's no mention whatsoever of his ever exercising his priesthood in the temple. Instead, he was preaching in the Midbar, in the wilderness. And many were there coming to him for baptism. They were in the wilderness as an external sign that internally they were wandering in their own personal wildernesses struggling with those aspects of their lives that they knew were not in conformity with God's will for them, that was destructive to their dignity, that tormented them. Crowds asked John, what should they do? Tax collectors, considered traitors and basically the scum of the earth by the Jews, asked, what should we do? Soldiers, notorious for supplementing their income by taking bribes, supporting false accusations, using extortion, asked John, what is it that we should do? Each came to John in that wilderness, into that lifeless desert, into that abode of the demons, carrying within them their interior wilderness their interior barrenness, their inner demons. The word of God came to John in the physical wilderness to offer those trapped in their inner wilderness a message of hope. The word of God comes today, right now, this very moment, into our interior wilderness, our interior deserts, to assure us that whatever demons we contend with that seek to make our lives barren and lifeless, there is always hope, and we should never allow ourselves to wallow in despair. Those people were given a great gift, the word of God through the last of the great prophets. But you and I have been given something far greater, the word of God who became flesh, dwelt among us, 
calls us into a relationship with him, a relationship that is always fostering life and growth within us, giving us the strength to recognize those demons that seek to keep us shrouded in lifelessness. It is difficult for many today to realize and accept just how much God loves them. Oh, we hear it all the time. But more often than not, I meet people who don't really believe it. For modern man, the default position seems to be to relegate God as something kind of out there, an an abstraction, a nice theory. But God will have none of that. He longs to be called into every aspect of our lives, and that includes the sinful aspects, the things that cause us shame. There is nothing about us our God does not desire to be part of so we can make what is good better and obliterate whatever is dark by his light. He does not want us to be trapped in the barrenness of the past because God is not found in the past. Now the demons assault us with our past insisting that we are hopelessly lost, that we are beyond redemption. God doesn't love you. You think God can actually love something like you? You're beyond redemption. There's no future other than the darkness you chose. The Lord, however, gives us the grace to put the past where it belongs, in the past, through the grace of confession, so we can stay focused on living fully in the present while his grace moves us to the future. This is the good news that John preached. It is the good news that inspired St. Paul to make a remarkable statement in our reading from his letter to the Philippians. Have no anxiety at all. Boy, what a message to a population that about 50-60% of us are popping anxiety pills. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, notice everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Now it's no small thing to be told have no anxiety at all, but Paul means it. Anxiety rears its ugly head when we have no idea what the future is going to bring. But if you think about it, no matter what the causes of our anxiety, they all share one common denominator. They envision a future without God in it. But for the believer, it is impossible to have a future without God in it unless we're stupid enough to choose it. When we find ourselves in a wilderness, we can and we should submit all of its elements, even the sinful ones, to prayer. The health of a loved one, difficulty making ends meet, problems at work, struggles in a marriage, sinful habits that create shame in our lives. You name it. Because God is present in every scenario we find ourselves in. We can petition him 
to open ourselves to his guidance, to work through the struggle because he can make good come out from the chaos of the wilderness within us. And, says Paul, we must cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving. We all make prayers to God, but do we ever thank him in the process? And when we, our prayers are answered, do we ever thank him then? Gratitude opens us to the reality that no matter how horrible the wilderness may be, God sees beyond it. Many years ago, I knew a man who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and his family refused to accept the diagnosis at first. There just had to be a treatment. And I was called in by the physician to a family meeting. Slowly, the reality dawned. There were no treatments that would change the course of the disease. He was going to die. I regularly went to his home and visited with him. One day, his wife took me off to the side and she told me that they were going over photo albums together and they were looking at their wedding pictures. And she said that she realized then how blessed she and her husband were to have discovered each other, to fall in love, to forge a life together despite all the struggles, all the tough times. She understood that God had always been faithful to them all those years and would always be faithful to them and whatever time remained for them together in this life and certainly in the next. Not even death is an obstacle to God's love and fidelity. The wilderness of a terminal illness, the heartbreak of having to say goodbye, the anxiety of having to leave a loved one behind and the anxiety of being left behind became moments of grace because that couple's past taught them their future was in God's hands. Whatever the midbar, the wilderness, know that our God is already there, waiting for us to allow him to guide us into the future that he desires. We can listen, or we can choose not to. The first will bring us life, the second, death. <laughs>